Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, movie fans. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. We have a wonderful show lined up today, folks. One that's sure to be a treat for movie fans everywhere. Ben Mankiewicz is here from Turner Classic Movies to help us celebrate the 100th anniversary of Universal Pictures and the return of Alfred Hitchcock's the birds to the big screen for one day next week. Plus, we'll be revisiting an earlier interview with Tippi Hedren in which she talks about working on that classic horror movie. And film historian James Colt Harrison is back to co-host all the festivities. But before getting started, let's check with Nikki Starr to see if our chat is open. Nikki, are all systems go in the chat room? They certainly are, and we are very excited for the show. Well, we are, too. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much, Nikki. You're and thanks to the folks signing up for the chat. We really appreciate them as well as our other listeners. And we appreciate Ben Mankiewicz for taking the time to join us today. You know, when Ben made his Turner Classic Movies debut way back in 2003, he became only the second host hired in that network's history. As a film critic, he currently co-hosts a movie review show called What the Flick and, co-hosts, and co-hosted the nationally syndicated TV series At the Movies. He also reviews films for the Huffington Post, and in addition to his hosting activities at TCM, Ben will be hosting a new sci-fi reality series called Hot Set, which is premiering later this month. And he's even reluctantly taken on some acting roles on various TV shows. No, that, Welcome to Movie right Attic now. Headquarters, Ben. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, uh, the acting stuff. We need to take that out of my bio. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> well, well, yes, but Ben, I even understand that, that, you're, that you have a dog that uh, may not be such a good actor either. Oh, my God, no. He's a, a shocking development. He is uh, taking a nap right now. So we. Uh, <laughs> That's, Is that rookie? Uh, that's rookie. That's how he. That's how he spends his days. He's a great dog. Uh, no, I am not an actor. I actually, I, I shot something. I uh, had an acting role this morning uh, for oh. a friend of mine for no money. It's for like a student. No, she's not a student film. It's for a little independent short. But I, as soon as they started rolling, and I had to say my lines. I mean, I'm just horrible. And every time I do this, my <laughs> respect for actors goes up. You know, three thousand fold. Uh, it is. Uh, it is not easy to do well. It's easy to do ordinarily, but it is not easy to do well. Well, but but it's easy, I think, to be a movie addict like the rest of us here. Is that right? Yes, that is. Uh, that's uh, that's. Uh, I have the greatest job on the planet. And, and I know. I know that you are one. I definitely know that you are one. It's great to have you with us, and it's also great to have James Cold Harrison back. The co-host, he's practically one of the family now. Hi, James. Hi there. It's wonderful, and I am part of the family. I just love being on, and it's great to meet all these wonderful movie people, and just great fun. So I will always do it whenever I'm asked. Well, we really appreciate that, and so so glad that you could be with us uh, today. And I know you're eager to ask Ben some questions, so you have the floor now, James. I have the floor. Wow. Yeah. Well, hi, Ben. It's so nice to meet you. Uh, uh, You know, I've watched you many times on television on Turner Classic Movies. And uh, I must say that when you first came on Turner Classic, I said to myself, who is this young kid? Who are they putting putting on now? Is this a grandson of uh, part of the Mankiewicz movie family? And I just couldn't figure it out. I thought maybe you had just gotten out of college or something and they were giving you (laughs) an Well, thank you for saying that. I was... 
<laughs> I was long out of college, long, long out of college. But thank you. You know, you're, it's interesting. When I, 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 it's been nine years. I believe nine years this month. I believe I made my debut in uh, September of 2003. Maybe it was August. But um, and you know, it took a long time uh, to sort of uh, win over this audience, and I'm very grateful to TCM for sticking with me. There was a, and because of the way that the fans like you uh, feel about the network and. This is something that is really particular to TCM. I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, I love uh, – I think there's great television on now. I'm excited to watch, you know, the season premiere of Sons of Anarchy tonight on FX, and I watch the shows yeah. on A&E, Breaking Bad, and Mad Men, and all those wonderful oh. HBO and Showtime shows. But but I don't, I don't feel like I, I have a duty to protect HBO or ESPN. <laughs> and I think fans of TCM feel like they love us, but they also feel like they're watching us carefully so that we don't mess this up. And, and when I started, this young interloper with the goatee, and I wasn't really looking at the camera. They didn't have me looking. They, had, they were trying a bunch of different things in the beginning. And I think they thought, what does this mean? Is what's going to happen to Robert? Is Robert going anywhere? Are they going to have commercials? Are they editing the movies? Like, don't change the thing we love. And it it took people three or four years before they were like, all right, I guess this mega was guys okay. You can stay. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I do have a question for you though. It's uh, yeah. how how is Turner Classic Movies participating in the hundredth um, anniversary of Universal Pictures? Well, we're a couple of things. First of all, uh, as you mentioned, uh, coming up, and uh, I guess on the the 19th, which I think is a, a week from tomorrow, right? Isn't that right? Yeah, Wednesday. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we have uh, uh, we're going to be showing the birds. Limited time, limited release uh, around the country, one day only. Um, again, part of Universal's hundredth anniversary, uh, and this is not just you're not just going to go in and get the movie. You'll go in and you'll get a really thoughtful, uh, well-written, involved introduction from Robert Osborne, mm. sort of really doing more than we do on the air, like a few minutes longer than what we do on the air, giving you some historical context, telling you where Tippy was in her life, Tippy Hedren, the star, uh, you know, the other stars, Suzanne Plachette and Rod Taylor, what they were doing, and of course, stories about Hitchcock, and we will include then interviews that Robert has done uh, with Tippy. I mean, it will it will get you the context you need to fully enjoy this film. And then we're doing it uh, uh, later, on the 24th, a week, uh, uh, not a week later, but we're doing it on October 24th, excuse me, we're doing Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein. It's a oh, remarkable double that feature. Uh, that's in October, and then the one in November we have is uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and of course, none of this being 2012, it's the... Uh, it's the 50th anniversary of To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, great choices! Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And by the way, it's not it's not part of Universal's anniversary, but we're also uh, uh, we'll also have coming up in October uh, on the 30th anniversary of uh, ET, the extraterrestrial. All uh, all part of this this partnership we have with Fathom, where you really get some really great perspective and insight into the movie and and get the film. Uh, you know, re-released and get a chance to see it in the theater. And for movies like E.T. and To Kill a Mockingbird, certainly, you know, bring bring your kids, bring the whole family. It's a it's a, it's a great great event. Yeah. Well, to see these films on the on the big screen is just going to be uh, so thrilling to people who've never had that experience. Uh, I just I have to tell you, Ben, that I'm old enough to have seen the Boris Karloff uh, Frankenstein movie when it first came out. And I was just, you know, a little toddler sitting in, under the theater seat, you know, just uh, frightened as heck, and but just fascinated, and just looking up at the looking up at that big monster on the screen. And in fact, yeah. I, I blame I blame that movie for turning me into a movie addict. After that, I mean, I, I was hooked. So well, that's, that's a good uh, that, 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 yeah, that means it did its. Uh... It did its job. You know, seeing it on the big screen, that's a, that's a big event. I think what people forget is that you're not seeing it in the big screen, on a big screen on your couch. You're seeing it in a big screen, and you're sitting with 500, 1,000 other people who are as excited about this as you are, and you're seeing it with your soulmates, really, people who, you know, you, you know many of us who love classic movies, you know, we go to work or we're, we're out at events, and, 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 and we want to talk about, 
you know, we want to talk about that incredible supporting cast in Casablanca. But the people we're with, as wonderful as they may be, they're like, oh, why are we talking about a movie that's uh, 70 years old? Here you're with people who want to talk about this stuff. So it's that shared experience as much as seeing it on the big screen that I think makes the, the whole event worthwhile. I agree. And I'm sorry, James, I, I interrupted. I know you have more questions, so I'm so sorry. Well, we could, we could talk all day because ben, ben is a great conversationalist, obviously. We love him. But uh, uh, just as a side note, Ben, uh, uh, Gregory Peck was born right here in La Jolla and raised here and went to school here. His father owned a pharmacy uh, in town. So we're very proud of uh, Gregory Peck and To Kill a Mockingbird. So if people come out and see that, I want you to remember that he was right here from La Jolla. I didn't right. know that. I didn't yes. know that he was uh, he was from La Jolla. Thank yes. you for giving me that information. Yeah. Yes, he was. You might use that if you know if you're talking about the film. You might use that. Um, I will work it into my next introduction on. Uh, on <laughs> you Gil know, Washington. James. I will. James I'm, is James is always pushing La Jolla, and he always makes us so <laughs> jealous because whenever I say how are how are things in La Jolla, he just describes you know paradise. <laughs> so I, I think he went to. I think Gregory Peck. I now this is suddenly coming to me. I think Gregory Peck went to, and I don't know if it was called this then, but he spent some time at San Diego State. Because he, I have a friend he, who went he, to San Diego State, and, and they were mentioned that Gregory Peck went there, and this was years ago, and I was like, it just, you know, I don't I associate Gregory Peck with San Diego State, but I'm pretty sure he was there for a little bit. Yes, but the the major school he went to, which was my school, was the University of California at Berkeley. And he, well, that and makes he, sense. Yeah, he, he studied at the theater program there in Berkeley, yeah. so I'm very proud of that's, him for that, too. That's, and that's what I said to the guy. Right? I was like, he didn't go to San Diego State. He went to Berkeley. Yeah, and, he but did. No, yeah, and then he it turned out, but he was, he was briefly at San Diego State. Yeah. Bri- briefly, yeah, briefly. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, I have another, another question for you. Um, why was The Bird selected as one of the films to be featured out of the thousands of films that Universal made in the last hundred years? Well, have you seen the birds? Oh, of course. <laughs> I know you have. I'm kidding. But uh, it was selected because, well, first of all, we, you know, by showing Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, you get a good sense of, you know, the dominance that, that Universal displayed uh, early on in the sound era uh, with their horror films. That that was really sort of yeah. right. I mean, that's what that's what Universal did. Um, but then you move forward to, you know, I don't really think of the birds as a horror movie, but I see why some people do put it in that genre um but uh, you know t- to me it is I, I hate ranking stuff and i hate calling stuff something the best and it is certainly to me one of the three or four finest hitchcock films um i don't know that it took a long time for i think other people to start recognizing that that was a serious thing to say uh it's just it is hitchcock you know at, at his best and that means something um it's thrilling. It's incredibly inventive. It's this, it's this study of the of the unknown. I mean, there's it's not so much the birds that scare us. It's that we don't know what the birds are going to do. And no, Hitchcock yeah. in that movie, you know, there there would be a, an overwhelming temptation for somebody making that story now to have a scientific angle where we learn that the birds ate some poisonous food and then. It was it was spread from bird to bird, and that's why they're behaving this way. But we have nothing. The birds behave this way. We don't understand it. It is not explained. He makes no effort to. Then at the end of the movie, they appear to stop behaving that way. Or are they just taking an hour-long break? Who knows? He doesn't care. He's not interested in that. Uh, and I think that's a really key component to to why the sort of the terror in the movie and the tension in the movie works so well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I definitely agree about that. And I, I think this is probably a, a, a good place to play um, the, an important section of the interview that Jazz Shaw and I had with uh, Tippy Hedren a couple of years ago. Um, actually, the, the I'd like to tell listeners to check out the entire interview, which is if they will just uh, look up uh, Tippy Hedren Speaks Out. Uh, that's an hour show, and she talks about uh, her um, her work uh, on in animal rights. But we've we've got a clip here where she talks about working with uh, Alfred Hitchcock on the birds. Uh, she does also uh, give us a little comparison of Alfred Hitchcock with Charlie Chaplin that is is kind of 
interesting, and um, you'll find out also what her what her favorite role is, and that might be a surprise. So let's listen to uh, Tippy Hedren right now. Uh, turning to the birds, though, what was it like working with Alfred Hitchcock? Well, he w- he was amazing. He was not only my my uh, director; he was my drama coach. Really? So, yes, and The Birds was my first film. Holy so, cow! So I was I was really fortunate in uh, on so many levels that that um, to to have him as a director and um, uh, and and my acting coach. I mean that was just phenomenal, and and he often said that he was he was thrilled that this was my first movie because I had nothing to unlearn. <laughs> so I just tried to be putty in his hands, you know, and and uh, uh, I used the techniques that he he taught me uh, all the time, all the time. Well, how did you happen to get that role, Tippy? Uh, I had done. I was uh, uh, I was working in New York as a fashion model. Uh, with Eileen Ford, and um, you know, uh, in the fifties, the commercials became very, very important, and um, so I was doing a lot of them. And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hitchcock were watching the Today Show, and they saw this commercial that I had done, and it was a story type of thing. It was for a, 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 a pet milk product called Seago. It was a diet drink. Right. And I think I, I weighed all. That. I think I weighed all of 100 pounds when I did the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, he saw it and decided to find out who the girl was, where she was. And um, so um, I just received a surprise phone call one day asking me to come over to meet with a with a with um, uh, an executive at Universal Studios. I had by then moved out to California so that Melanie could, oh, could have a little bit of independence of just, Saying I'm going out to play, mommy, you know. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tippy, you got to work with Alfred Hitchcock a couple of times. Uh, what was your favorite project uh, with him? And and oh, I liked I liked Marnie. Marnie. I, I liked ah. the best. Really? Yes. Why was that? Was a, well, the, you know, The Birds is sort of a chase type film, and uh, the the uh, Marnie was such a deep character. My God. Yes, absolutely. And that was that was the the interest. Well, that. working with Sean Connery had to have something to do with that, Tippy. Not all bad. <laughs> no, he was and he was just wonderful. We see each other every now and then, um, uh, not often, because he, um, you know, lives. Um, he doesn't live in the United States. Uh, but um, he was really, he was really terrific. And Rod Taylor was terrific. And of course, working with Jessica Tandy was just marvelous. And, and Jessica was Tandy was, was was in in the birds. Yes. Well, did you ever get hurt uh, or have yeah. any problems with the, with the real birds in, oh, yes. in the birds? Yes, I did. Oh no. Scene, oh, you know, off and on during the during the shooting, we would we were hurt, you know, scratched or whatever. But uh, you know, the scene where at the end of the movie where I go up the stairs yeah. and into the into the bedroom upstairs, and all of the birds attack me. Yeah. Well, they told me that I, they were going to, because uh, you know, when I read the script, I said, and Mr. Hitchcock, how would we be doing that scene? And he said, oh, well, we'll use the mechanical birds like we did with the children. And um, so I was perfectly comfortable all about the whole thing, and it was one of the last scenes we did during the shoot. And um, uh, at, the, at the first day, it was a Monday, I was in my dressing room on the set, and uh, the assistant director, Jim Brown, came in, and he said, he, he couldn't look at me. He looked at the floor and the walls and the ceiling. And I was you, Jim. And he said, uh, the mechanical birds don't work. We have to use real ones. And out the door he went. Well, oh, I just, I just was stunned. I went out to the set, and, you know, this isn't anything they had just planned on. There was a whole cage built around the door that I come in. And there were five boxes, cartons, of raven and seagulls and a few pigeons thrown in. Uh, prop men with gauntlets up to their shoulders, and which they threw at me for five days. 
What I don't blame you in any way whatsoever, but I but I do have to say I still have nightmares about that because I was a fairly young child when that movie came out, and uh-huh. oh my God, that was frightening. It was frightening. It it was supposed to be. We worked hard to make it that way. Well, you were successful, and do you know what? It was not just frightening while the movie was on. I mean, it, because it sort of uh, led to a kind of unending terror with people. My son, who is now grown and has grown children of his own, is still frightened to death of birds. <laughs> Excuse me for laughing, but, you know, <laughs> isn't that great? It is great. I, I hope he gets over it pretty soon. You know? I don't think he will. I think he's kind of proud of it now. <laughs> oh, there's, uh, there's a funny little story here. Uh, you know, we 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 serve um, uh, about 600 pounds of meat every day to the to the big cats, and we have this huge flock of raven who live here because they're meat eaters, and they are in seventh heaven living here. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever think back to the movie and just run away like, oh no? <laughs> oh, I do it all the time. Yeah. Oh no, here they come! They're coming. Well, Tippy, what was uh, the the whole idea in the birds? Is, uh, I know you had the, uh, those gorgeous green suits. On the, I had six of them. Yes, you had six. Green yeah. Suits. What six. was the what was the uh, the point of that? Do you know? The point of the birds attack. Of the green, yeah, the green. Suit. Oh, the green. Oh, the green was because uh, um, that particular shade of green is very easy to look at. Ah. And um, uh, uh, Hitch and the, the beautiful, wonderful Edith Head were always very, very concerned about any kind of, of fashion or uh, what does the movie require. And when you're in the same thing, the same outfit throughout the movie, I think I had one other. I had another suit with the, at the beginning of the film and the coat. But that that those were the three those were my three things and the the night the nighty from uh, you know the the general store uh, <laughs> but it was very important that the the uh, color was acceptable to people that they, and and wasn't the kind of thing where oh if I see that that dress one more time I'm going to scream um, and the, the uh, Edith had called the color Odeneal green. Ooh. And um, uh, color was one of the most important things uh, uh, for his le- leading ladies to um, uh, sort of enhance the performance even. The best way I can explain that one was in uh, Dial M for Murder with uh, Grace Kelly. Yes. You know, in the first scene, she's in r- a red cocktail dress, and she's very, you know, very elegant and, and provocative and... And um, after the murder, uh, she her clothes become very much more drab. Right. And at the end of the film, she's where they you know they take her away. She's in gray. Yes, those kinds of things are very important psychologically to the people. Sets the tone. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and Alfred Hitchcock was a, was a master at that. Yeah. And is there any truth to the rumor that? Uh, they did have, uh, tie birds to you. In oh yes. Oh my oh, yes, gosh. They did. Uh, Rita Riggs, who was my dresser, put bands around my body with uh, elastics uh, coming through the, the tears in the dress, and they then just loosely tied the, the leg of the of the raven to my body. Oh my gosh. Tippy, you work with so many famous people. Uh, for example, Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And it we we talk uh, Betty Joe and I talk to people all the time who are kind of involved in the industry or would like to be or like to understand it more. Could you just favor and just kind of contrast a little bit like what's the difference between working with Alfred Hitchcock and working with Charlie Chaplin? What okay. are, what are the stylistic differences that you uh, well there there were many. Uh, uh Alfred Hitchcock was so sure of what he wanted out of every scene. Um, that he was he was so well prepared that we did hardly more than two or three takes on on any scene. It was really pretty amazing, and he was so d- definitive as to what what um, what the whole f- the the whole 
picture should look like. Everything was was um, totally operated by him, and he always had people around him who worked picture after picture after picture with him. Uh, the way he directed with me, I don't know exactly what he did with the others, but he, uh, uh, I read the script over and over and over, and uh, we would talk about uh, about the the film as a whole. We would talk about the different characters. Uh, the relationship of each character to the other, and uh, to the point where by the time we got on the set, we all knew what we were doing, and uh, um, it was it was it was actually done very very easily. He gave very little direction, uh, actually on the set, um, and he really spoiled me terribly because he he uh, first of all he worked nine to five. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that in a movie? No. Not today, oh, no. No. And um, um, interestingly enough, he always wore a black suit, a white shirt, and a, um, a black tie. His uh, assistant director wore a sport jacket and slacks and pants. <laughs> uh, his uh, DP and the assistant cameraman all were dressed every day. Uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Well, but they, it was a very elegant, um, uh, Hitch thought of it as being a very, very elegant uh, profession. Yes. And, and it was. And Charlie, on the other hand, Charlie, the way Charlie directed, now that's where the film should have been done. I, you know, so many people have said we, they should have shot uh, uh, Charlie doing directing because he would take each person in the scene, each actor's character, and perform it, and then say, "All right, now you do it." Now, can you imagine following Charlie Chaplin? Oh my gosh, that is so. <laughs> that is so interesting. I think Tippy's whole interview was just uh, one of our favorites on the show. And Ben, I know you've uh, you've uh, interviewed uh, Tippy several times. What's your reaction to her description of working on the birds? Well, it's interesting. You know, if you uh, t uh, when you get to know Tippy, and when uh, she uh, starts to open up after a few glasses of wine, um, <laughs> no, um, no, uh, you know, her relationship with Alfred Hitchcock uh, incredibly complicated, and everything you heard there uh, is true. And she is enormously grateful to him for giving her her start. He also ruined her career, and oh, no. said he was going to, and he said he was going to ruin it, and he did it. And Albert Hitchcock, his relationship with Tippi Hedren, he is the poster child, textbook definition of horrible sexual harassment. Tippi oh, really? never, never doesn't complain about it. She's been honest about it. She's written about it now. But she has no bitterness, which I think is a real testament to her, because she also knows that he gave her her big break. But when he became obsessed with her, and not in the way we traditionally think of Hitchcock being obsessed with his sort of cool, icy blondes, mm -hmm. you know, Kim Novak and, and Grace Kelly, uh, but really uh, off camera tried very hard to start something with Tippy, who had no interest in this, was friends with Alma Hitchcock, uh, Hitch, uh, uh, Hitch's wife, and, and was trying to be professional. But when Hitchcock then said, you'll never leave your contract with me, you have a young daughter to support, of course, that, that was Melanie Griffith, and you have, uh, you're, and she supports her parents, so I know that you're, you, you, don't, you won't walk away from this. And she very courageously said, no, I will. My, the people who love me do not want me to would not want me to be in this situation, and this really came to a head. It started during the birds. It came to a head during Marnie, and uh, and uh, and he said, "Well, I'll see to it that you never work again in this business." And he, you know, Francois Truffaut, wanted to work with her during this time. Hitchcock wouldn't let it happen. You know, eventually she did have a career after that, but she was 36 years old at that point. She started her career very late. Um, uh, and, you know, uh, he kept her from being a big star during the three, four, five years where she could have made that happen. And, uh, you know, that is it is literally the definition of sexual harassment. And she speaks honestly about that. It's painful. It's emotional for, for her to talk about that. But uh, but that's part of their relationship. And in fact, it is going to be I've seen it. I saw it a screening with Tippi, uh, an HBO special called The Girl about the Hitchcock-Hedron uh, relationship that I think airs uh, first on the BBC and then over here on HBO, uh, 
sometime uh, later this year. I think it's coming up. It's very good. It's, it's very, and for people who care about this era of Hollywood history, it's uh, it's certainly worth watching. Wow, I hadn't heard about that uh, that um, that HBO uh, special coming out. Thank you for telling us about that. Yeah, and no, that's uh, that's, quite good. it is a sad it is a sad uh, sad story. Yeah, uh, and, and it is wonderful that she's uh, she's dealt with it the way that she. Yeah, that, she's uh, very. She, uh, she it's has. hard for it's hard for her. I think it's hard for us because we 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 so admire the Alfred Hitchcock's work, and and yes. there's no reason for us to stop admiring Alfred Hitchcock's work. But it is uh, you know it's incongruous. It's it's hard to 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 strike a balance and and understand that the you know this man who was so professionally successful at least in this respect uh, was very personally flawed. Yes, yes, that's. Uh... That is very, very sad. And I was wondering, James, uh, did anything that Tippy said surprise you in that in that interview? I know probably you're surprised at what uh, Ben just said. Uh, no, I I had heard that story before, but uh, oh. it's certainly a misuse of power. Uh, yes. You know the wor- the worst kind, and the, and the poor. Well, I mean, she was young, a young girl then when she made the film, but. It's too bad that she had to put up with that. Although you know there are wolves everywhere in Hollywood, so you know it's one of those things. Uh, sad, but I mean I I still love Hitchcock's work, no doubt about oh, that. Oh yes, He's so does, you know that's the yes. that's the and the one of the great things about Tippy. So is Tippy. You know yes. that's you know she when you when I I mean me when I tell the story I fear that you know it's so much better to hear it from her because when you hear it from her. It's not said with anger or bitterness. It's said with yes. some frustration, and she obviously wishes it hadn't happened. She wished she'd handled it better, because, yeah. but she was like so many people. She was embarrassed to even bring it up at the time. Yeah. Um, but she is enormously fond of, 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 of Hitchcock's work and has fond memories of him because he meant so much to her in so many other ways. He just he, you know, he made some, some, some very significant personal mistakes with her. But, but she's, not, she's not bitter in any way about it. No, no. Well, that, well I'm, that, I'm glad. I'm glad of that. And uh, you know what? We've had a caller holding for such a long time, who's been very, very patient. And I think this might be a good time to uh, to, to to let that caller come on the, on the show. So, hello, caller from four four one. Who is speaking, please? Hello, hello. Hello, is this is this uh, Richard? Yes, it's Richard. Yeah, <laughs> hello. <laughs> oh, hi. This is uh, Richard Jack Smith, who's calling all the way from Wales, and thank you for being so patient and and holding on. And uh, do you have a question or a comment for Ben? Yeah, I was going to ask you about um, the effects in uh, the birds, if that's okay. Um, there was a question about uh, the last shot in the film. About how many pieces of film were used? Does he know? Um, I, I don't. I don't know. And I'm trying to. Uh, the last shot when they're driving away. Yeah. Do you know how many pieces of film were used for that shot? I don't. I don't. Not not off the top of my head. I mean, there was probably many, <laughs> based on the way Hitchcock um, worked. Uh, and his fondness for using, you know, when possible, for using uh, scenic painters uh, as a backdrop. Um, but I don't know why. Is there? A, do you do you know? Thirty-two pieces of film. Wow, that is uh, well. I was curly at least I went the right direction with. I suspect a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. That's not uh, not totally unusual for Hitchcock, although that's a remarkable number. Um, you know Hitchcock. You heard a little bit of it in Tippy's interview, and 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 I asked her about this, and she said I was overstating it, but and I'm sure I'm sure I was. But from when you read about Hitchcock and you read about his intense preparation and the fact that, as she said, at five o'clock he was he was done. That for him, the preparation was the joy, and the actual shooting of the movie that was the easy part. Like he, the work had already been done for him, so he knew, and that's why at five o'clock he was like, "Yeah, I've done this for eight hours today. That's enough." You know, the, the months that he spent with, uh, uh, you know, with with screenwriter and with the production designer, getting this movie ready, that for him was the real art. Uh, so I'm sure that that final scene, you know, 32 pieces of film sounds incredibly complicated. For for Hitchcock, I suspect that had been storyboarded for months. That, oh, yeah, that yeah. sounds about that sounds about right. And uh, Ben, I wanted to tell you that uh, Richard Jack Smith is um, 
uh, a film critic, and he does write uh, very wonderful film reviews for uh, Real Talk Movie Reviews. And uh, I'm just so happy that he he called in from from Wales. I think uh, no, Richard, what fantastic. time is it over over there in Wales now? It's 9:33. Just oh, 9:34 now. Almost bedtime. Well, uh, thank you for the question. Was Was there anything else that you that you wanted to uh, to say to Ben or or any question? No, I just thought it was interesting trivia. I mean, I watched the making of the birds today in, in preparation, you know, for the uh, thing. But I found a lot of the answers were actually in in the documentary, you know, about the making of the movie and and the fact there was some like 371 trick shots in the film, which I thought was remarkable because you look at it, it's so seamless, you know, the paintings and how it integrates with the actual footage that they shot and how it was all blended together seamlessly and everything. Yeah, he. Uh, I, I'm all. I mean, I guess you know, to, to the notion that any, any director from from Hitchcock's era or even any modern day director who's any good at his job doesn't prepare is a silly thing to say. Of course they do. But every time I see something about Hitchcock, I am just really struck by his incredible preparation. And and Tippy, you know, is her first exposure to filmmaking comes from Hitchcock, first with the birds and then Marnie. And then once sort of the the difficulties were over and and she was able to get out of her contract, but years had passed and the quality of the work uh, had diminished and she started working with other directors, she did very quickly learn that, no, not everybody was exactly like that. Uh, and there were a lot of directors who were like, well, we'll try it like this. We'll see how that looks. And Hitchcock was not a see-how-this-looks kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, let me, let me tell one. We're getting a little bit of feedback. Uh, Richard, do you have um, any speakers on, or are you doing any taping? Because the feedback uh, started when when um, when you came on. Could you 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 check on that? See if you could turn your speakers down. Um, no, there might, there might be some sounds from from downstairs. Uh, I think my father's watching a movie or something. But um, I, I didn't have any other questions. Um, well, let me just mention one thing that I that I think is is, is worth bringing up along because we're talking about Hitchcock and how he sort of his preparation and and uh, and bringing up the the 32 pieces of film in that final scene. But, but Hitchcock, I think it was to in uh, to catch a thief. I know it was a, a, a Cary Grant picture that that Hitch. You know, he didn't like you to deviate from the script. He didn't. He wanted you to shoot things his way. And Cary Grant had an idea for a scene and he wanted it tried. And uh, he didn't think it was working quite his way, and Hitchcock kept saying, no, we're going to do it my way. But it's Cary Grant, so you can't ignore him, right? I mean, Cary Grant is a guy with significant power. Uh, and so finally Grant said, look, Hitch, let's shoot it your way, and we'll shoot it my way. And then afterwards, I'll leave you alone. You decide. Just trust me. Let's let you shoot it my way. And Hitchcock says, okay. Then afterwards, they get ready to shoot the scene. They shoot Cary Grant's scene, and then they shoot it Hitch's way. And when they finish shooting it Hitch's way, the entire crew bursts out in applause. <laughs> And Cary Grant comes back and says, well, I mean, everybody loved it. I guess you're right, Hitch. And, of course, while Cary Grant had been in the trailer, Hitchcock told the crew, when we finish shooting it this way, you're all to explode into applause. <laughs> I like that, I like that yeah. story. Well, Richard, thank you very much for, for calling in. And um, uh, we're, going to, we're going to mute you now, but, but keep listening uh, on the phone, or uh, you, can, you can join in the chat. But I'm going to mute you right now, and we'll see if we have have a, a little change in the in the feedback, and I have a question, an important question for for you, Ben. I am just so curious about this new sci-fi series that you're going to be ho hosting called Hot Set. Would you tell our listeners about that because I know they'll be really interested in it. Yeah, it uh, premieres um, uh, a week from today uh, uh, on Tuesday. Um, and uh, that's Tuesday the 18th on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, at 9 o'clock Eastern, um, I think 9 o'clock everywhere. Um, and it, it was a really remarkable show. I learned so much. Uh, it is a show uh, done by the same production company that does another wonderful show for Sci-Fi called Face Off. It's a, that's a reality yeah. show competition between makeup artists. You know, movie makeup artists, and it's really amazing to see how these incredibly talented people create these. You know, we're talking about Universal and the, their horror movies. How these makeup artists create sort of these really remarkable, mythical, fantastical creatures. 
the idea between uh, in hot set is we take uh, two production designers, two sort of young or production designers who might be a little older but haven't quite made it yet in the big time, and they're given a scene, an inspiration, say, you know, build a, a, a supervillain's lair that a James Bond-like character is caught up in. And then they have three days and $15,000 with some teammates to construct a set and shoot a scene on that set. And it is amazing insight into how movies are made. I mean, all the stuff that, that Richard mentioned that's on the sort of the making of DVDs of the birds. I mean, this is true how movies are made. This is the making of a movie. And you see these young, incredibly talented people start with nothing and in three days with a limited budget build these remarkable movie sets and then shoot a scene on them and then be judged by three really distinguished, talented uh, production designers who serve as the panel of judges on our show. Oh, my gosh, that is going to be something that movie addicts will be glued to the their television sets watching that. It is for it is a show. If you love movies, then this is a, this is a really great show. Uh, really sort of it, it it's peeling back the veil of of how movies are made it's really it's really uh, i think a, a terrific show i feel really blessed to have uh, been a part of it you know i'm i'm the host i learned so much about uh, about production design and how critical that is uh to the success uh, of a film yes i understand that that um you were not so uh, sold on how important that was before you hosted well, that. Yeah, you know, I, right? I, 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 this makes me sound a bit like an idiot, but it is true. You know, I, I, I was—I I don't know that I ever said this out loud, but you, you look at the credits at the beginning of the film, and you see the incredibly significant credit up front that the production designer gets. You know, when I'm a guy, I, you know, to me, what drives a, a movie almost less than the director is the screenplay. Obviously, you need a great director mm-hmm. who, otherwise, you can you can screw up a terrific screenplay. But I'm, you know, I'm looking for plot and I'm looking for character development. I'm looking for story. All of a sudden, I spend a little time working with these people, with these amazing uh, production designers, uh, 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 Lily Kilvert, uh, uh, Barry Robeson. Um, and Kurt Ram, uh, the uh, uh, Kurt Beach, excuse me. Kurt Ram is a trumpet player for Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, who I just saw. Right. Uh, and uh, Kurt Beach, and and uh, it is. Look, I mean, here's how, here's what you need to shoot a great movie. You need a director. Uh, you need a, a cinematographer, director of photography, and uh, and you need a production designer. That's it. Those three people. That's who makes movies. <laughs> and uh, and you get a great production designer. Oh my God, what they can do! What they can do to make a movie look spectacular is is uh, is remarkable. I, I was I was really really overwhelmingly impressed by the talent uh, of these people. Well, I I agree uh, with you that that the production design is very very important in films. But I, but I I certainly have thought that for for a long time. And James, uh, are you g- getting eager to see Hot Set on the Sci Fi Channel after listening to Ben? Well, actually yes, because I'm so fascinated with the behind the scenes of movie making that that thrills me. I know every time I've been on a set, I'm just you know, Gaga, because I love all the things that go into making a movie. What what, what struck me, uh, uh, there's obviously great planning. You talk about storyboarding, and these, these people uh, plan before they spend their $15,000 at the beginning of their three days. But what's a, what, what was really striking is the degree of uh, scrounging that goes into it. Like, <laughs> and, and, and the judges told me that that's exactly what happens on a reel. They got these big plans. And then the director comes in and says, like, yeah, you know, I got a totally different idea. I want to shoot the scene this way. And they don't have any money left or very little money. And they're calling friends and they're using the back ends of cars and they're just jerry-rigging things that end up looking remarkable on screen. And it's uh, uh, that was that was quite a that was uh, that was really something to learn to 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 not think that this is. These these are creative people. These are artists, and they are constantly thinking about what little weird thing can we use to make our art work better. And some are very very successful at doing that. Uh, I wanted oh, to tell yeah. our listeners that we have extended the show for 15 minutes because this is such an important topic, and uh, we're so happy to, to have Ben here. So we have time now to go back to the birds because there were some things. Yeah. That we didn't get to ask, and I, w- I just wanted to make sure that uh, that Richard got his questions in. And I see that we do have 
um, some guests in the chat room, and uh, we've got Nancy Lombardo, who's the host of Comedy Concepts. She's a New York uh, uh, comedian and actress, and uh, her show uh, is just very, very fun and very interesting. She has a CD out called Color Me Crazy, which has some of her uh, some of her work on it that's just hilarious. And so I, I always like to give it a plug and to tell listeners to check out Nancy Lombardo. We have Kai Timer, and we have somebody uh, who is going by the number 46526. And uh, so I'm not sure uh, who that is, but I want to welcome everybody who has uh, signed up for the chat. We really do appreciate it. But I was wondering, uh, in terms of the birds, Ben, um, what impressed you the most about Tippi Hedren's performance in that movie? Well, I mean, first of all, that it was her first role, but that always seems almost like a backhanded compliment, like you thought maybe she should have been better if she had more experience, and I don't think that's the case. Um, I think that her stoicism really works in the film because she, like the rest of us, sort of can't quite fathom what is happening doesn't really right. take it in. She's, you know, she's beautiful. She knows she's beautiful. She knows how to use her beauty. And then all of a sudden she's in this situation where of course her beauty is useless against this 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 unknown force that we just don't understand and that Hitchcock is not going to help us with. He has, he is not going to explain anything about what's motivating these birds. And I think that manner uh, of of playing the role uh worked incredibly well the fact that it really except for maybe that scene where that you heard in the interview talked about where she goes up in the attic in, inexplicably i might add goes into the attic <laughs> why would anybody go into why would anyone walk up there uh that's really the only time she's really thrown off her game it's sort of that composure that icy facade fades and uh she i i asked her in one interview that we had hey why the heck did you go up those stairs? <laughs> and she said, that thinking the same thing, she said, well, you know, I asked Hitchcock, because we're reading the script and we know the terror and the attack to children, it's killed Suzanne Plachette, it's, it's, the, the, birds have, the birds are dangerous. Why would I go up those stairs? She asked Hitchcock, and Hitchcock, of course, said to her, uh, my dear, you go up those stairs because I tell you to go up those stairs. <laughs> That's that's as much an explanation sure. as Hitch uh, felt he needed. <laughs> yeah, you would definitely do what Hitchcock said. Well, uh, James, do you do you have any um, comments that you'd like to make about uh, Tippy's performance in that movie? Do you kind of uh, agree with uh, Ben that it she was so good because it was her first movie? I I kind of wouldn't have even known that it was her first movie. She was so good. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, actually, what's your reaction? I, I didn't even think it was her first movie when I, when I saw it. I just thought, oh, she's a nice actress. She's wonderful in this part. And I was very impressed. So I, I wasn't thinking that it was her first film at all because she did everything so well. But uh, I was just wondering if Ben had a favorite scene in, in The Birds besides the stairway scene. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the the, the you know the, the scene with the kids uh, when, when the birds attack is a really yeah. powerful scene. Yeah. Um, uh, seeing the, uh, the phone booth scene is great, the, I mean, which comes right after, I guess, the diner scene. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's all so good. I mean, right in the beginning when she walks into the store, when we get the little, I believe that's where the Hitchcock cameo is. I mean, it's it's good throughout. I mean, she is a commanding performance. She's in just about every scene. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, there it's all it's all great. I, I, I don't, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm you know, I'm struck I'm struck by the scene where she's the first attacked by the bird when she's uh, crossing the bay and in, uh, in Bodega Bay. Um, you know, trying to surprise Rod Taylor. Um, you know, that's a remarkable scene, sort of, because there's that sense of, why did that bird do that? The bird's messing up my hair, you know, and it's just this <laughs> little, very subtle premonition of, of what's to come. Yeah, yeah. I particularly like the phone booth scene when the birds were attacking the glass and crashing into it, and I kept thinking, oh, come on, crash through and bite her. And, you know, I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was only a kid then, but. I want yeah, well, to get they, some more blood. 
Well, you know, they, they uh uh Yeah, it's you know, it's a pretty bloody movie for nineteen sixty three, however. Yeah. Um uh yeah, I just the uh, I and I love that the, the you hear her her sort of flippancy with the uh, when the, she shot the attic scene and they tied the birds to her. Like yeah. a, <laughs> I mean, and didn't tell her. And then what she doesn't mention is uh, she spent, I believe, uh, uh, a week in the hospital uh, after that, just from oh. sheer exhaustion. I mean, she she went home. She thought she was okay. She got back. I think it was the weekend. I think that was a Friday where they shot that, and then she went home. And, uh, uh, and Melanie uh, couldn't wake her up. She was so no. worn down, so exhausted that mm-hmm. Melanie, in a panic, you know, who was such a little girl, uh, couldn't wake her up. And uh, and Tippy went, I'm not sure it was a full week, but uh, they shut down production, I believe, for a week. And she was in the hospital for at least a, a few days and, wow. and maybe longer. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't I didn't know about that. So that was uh, quite a traumatic experience for her. Well, Ben, you, did, you heard uh, Tippy talk about the comparison between uh, how Alfred Hitchcock worked and Charlie Chaplin. Had you heard that before about Charlie Chaplin doing uh, doing the the roles and asking the actors to do to do do it just like he did? <laughs> um yes, I had. Uh, the, they were clearly their styles are very different. Uh, Hitchcock and when she, when she was shooting uh that film in London with uh Chaplin and with uh Brando, I believe. Um Hitch, that was her first meeting with Hitchcock since the the ugliness of their breakup. You know, mm. not breakup like they didn't have a romance, but I mean the the end of their business relationship. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I think it had been about four years. That was a, a, a countess from Hong Kong, Hong I Kong. believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And yeah. so they were. She was in uh, uh, London, and Hitchcock, and, and she had tea with Hitchcock and Alma Hitchcock. And again, they hadn't seen each other in four years, and obviously it's been a, a terribly difficult situation for Tippy. And so they got together. She described it as an incredibly awkward lunch or tea. And then she said, hey, you know, look, I'm here making a movie with, with Charlie Chaplin and these two sort of uh, genius uh, uh, Brits who came over and played such a critical role in reinventing American film. She thought, wouldn't it be wonderful, because I believe they had never met, but if Hitch would meet Charlie Chaplin and get a photo of Hitchcock and Charlie Chaplin together oh in London. <laughs> You know, wouldn't that wouldn't wouldn't that be a great photo? She said. I yeah. think just hoping to break the ice of this incredibly awkward lunch she was having with Hitchcock and his wife, and uh, and Hitchcock, of course, being Hitchcock, said to her about taking a picture with Charlie Chaplin. Uh, now, why would I want to do that? <laughs> so, oh my God! <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you, Alfred. There weren't uh, one of a kind, Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. <laughs> so, needless to say, there was no photo. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I I understand that. Uh, of course, uh, um, Marlon Brando was in The Countess from Hong Kong, and yeah. uh, I can't imagine him wanting to, you know, wanting to do uh, any of his scenes just the way Charlie Chaplin was, was yeah, doing Yeah, I'm it. curious. Oh. I, I would like to know more of that story. You know, we, uh, Tippi and I have talked a little bit about a countess from Hong Kong and Chaplin, but I have a tough time believing that Chaplin was telling Brando what to do, it, even uh, under any circumstances. And I'm, I'm an, it's impossible for me to believe that Brando paid any attention to it. I know, I know. I, I, I just am kind of thinking the same way. Well, I have one more question uh, for you, Ben, uh, because I do see that our, our time, even though we've extended it, is is almost over. And I was just wondering how you would rank the birds um, among uh, Hitchcock's movies. Well, I mean, I love North by Northwest, and I love uh, Strangers on a Train, um, and uh, I, I love the birds, and um, uh, and I love Notorious. Those are my four favorite Hitchcock movies. So I would say that in those, depending on sort of my mood, because they're very different movies, that's sort of they go in some order there. To me, those are the four best Hitchcock movies. Uh, I know that uh, you know that uh, Vertigo just edged out Citizen Kane uh, for yes. the first time in decades Yay. as the number one movie of all time. Vertigo. Doesn't uh, do it for me the way those other. I mean, I get it. I, Vertigo's wonderful, but to me, it's not. 
it's not even like I said, it doesn't even crack my Hitchcock top four, so I have a tough time believing that it's a better film than Citizen well, Kane. Nobody's perfect, Ben. That's right. <laughs> At this that's point right. you have been. <laughs> yeah. Vertigo is my is definitely mine. Vertigo's your favorite. All right. Well look, oh. I, I, I you're uh, you're clearly the, the, the people are with you. The majority has spoken. Yeah, the majority. The people have spoken, and uh, I I just get hypnotized, I think, when I'm watching that. And I, I watch it over and over again, and I, I never remember how it ends. So that's that's uh, really fortunate, you know, because then I can enjoy it every time that I Well, that you know, that's one of the it. great things. It's one of the problems why I don't like making lists because when you do, when you make a list of Hitchcock's top four movies and you don't include Vertigo, then I end up being the guy who doesn't like Vertigo. I love Vertigo. Vertigo's great. I just, I just, those other movies are like a little tiny bit greater. But that's the that's the problem with uh, with list making. I mean, we're all we all love the movies. We all love, and we certainly all love Hitchcock. So, absolutely, my favorite director. Not not necessarily my favorite person after after today's yeah. show and <laughs> learning all all of these things about Alfred Hitchcock. But you can't take away from his uh, nope. cinematic uh, artistry. Well, our time is almost up, so I want to thank you, Ben, for being such a terrific guest today. It's My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Fun talking with you. Now, I hope you'll come back again to visit us. Is that a possibility? Oh, no. No, this was it. <laughs> of course, I would love to. Yeah, anytime. Uh, my pleasure. Thank well, you for asking me. Well, good. We'll, we'll look forward to that. So time to wrap things up now. So this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for featuring this episode as one of today's staff picks. We really appreciate it. Thanks to James Colt Harrison for doing an excellent job again as co-host, to Richard Jack Smith for calling in all the way from Wales, to Nikki Starr for her help, to Neil Haley for his technical assistance, and to all our listeners and chatters. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I know I sure did. Special thanks to Turner Classic Movies for keeping wonderful films like The Birds alive for us. And congratulations to Universal Pictures on its 100th anniversary. Please come back next time, dear listeners, for our special tribute to Morgan Freeman. In the meantime, don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So here's the talented A.J. Daniels closing the show with a song Nikki and I dedicate to all our Blog Talk Radio listeners.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.